Alright, here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Feldman and this is Out of Line. We are here live in the Fox Sports RCG Home Loans powered by Luminate Bank Studio every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio that we also include social media director Spencer The Wiz Ostrowski. Nobody beats the wind. Nobody beats the wind. Spencer at home ill today. He decided not to give me and Magnum share with us his cough. And Magnum and I are both appreciative of that as neither one of us wants the gift that keeps on giving, even though it is the holiday season. So good to deal with that. And speaking of Magnum, he is also here uh, joining me. And of course, apart aside from being a part of uh, several shows at Lotus Broadcasting, Mags also serves as a locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network. We are also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and Twitch. The page is called Outline. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Outline Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports RCG Home Loans powered by Luminate Bank Studio Line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap, brought to you by title sponsor, RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank, is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. To get information or to get your questions answered regarding anything mortgage or real estate related, contact the pros at RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank bank today all kinds of stuff on tap uh, just huge sports in las vegas man never gets old uh vegas golden knights uh you we'll talk about this but maybe they should bring their dads with them on all the road trips we'll discuss that in a few minutes during nightcap also uh unlv it was determined early last week as you probably all know by now we'll play in the guaranteed rate bowl they're playing at chase field which is the home of the arizona diamondbacks not too far away about a six-hour drive if you want to make it they will be playing the kansas jayhawks a big 10 uh i should say uh, um a big 12 power five conference school and uh it's going to be a tough road to haul. We'll talk a little bit about that in the, in the future as well. And, as co- of course, uh, as you know, um, Spencer, you can go ahead and play it. But uh, this took place last night at uh, T-Mobile Arena. It wasn't the Golden Knights as they were out of town yesterday in Dallas. But um, the uh, big midseason NBA tournament, and I don't even know it's midseason. It's just in-season because it's not midseason yet. But in-season NBA tournament where they gave away their first ever NBA Cup here in Las Vegas between Indiana and um, the Los Angeles Lakers. This is the inauguration of the in-season tournament. It's something like records will be broken, uh, you know, but one thing that will never be broken is to be the first to do something. And we're the first champions of the in-season tournament, and nobody can ever top that. And it's great to be able to do it with such a historical franchise, and it's even better to do it with such a great, great pass of uh, just 
funny, engaged, competitive uh, men over here. And they, uh, the first question they asked me when I came off, they was like, so when do we get our money? I was like, I don't know. But I kind of do know, but I'm not going to tell them just yet. And when do they get their money? It's a lot of money, and there's a good good reason they're asking when they get their money. It's an exorbitant amount of money for a small in-season NBA tournament. But, you know, you have to give these guys that kind of money in order to uh, to motivate them to play. And they played hard. I mean, everyone said it was a playoff atmosphere-type basketball. We'll talk about that in a little bit. The largest contract in professional sports in North America was just recently signed. We'll talk about that during Fact This today. We got the Bones with the Raiders, uh, who are playing and hosting the Minnesota Vikings today. Raiders pretty much in a must-win situation for their final remaining five games of the season if they want to make the postseason. We'll also preview uh, the Week 14 of the NFL. We've got the Scooper coming in later in the show, and we'll be doing our pick segment. Uh, We're all knotted up at the top, and uh, we'll talk about that as well. And, of course, UNLV basketball back in action yesterday at the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson after uh, their game was canceled last Wednesday night against Dayton in Ohio, and that was because of obviously the tragic shooting on the UNLV campus. Uh, Too much of that, and it's too sickening, and I'm not going to spend very much of the show on it other than saying I'm so morbid, uh, horrified by it, and uh, especially one one comment I heard by a student, um, and I'll just say that right now before we even get into Nightcap, a comment that I heard by a student on the news that day, which blew my mind because um, this is not something you would ever expect to hear from a college student. And what what she said was she said, you know, um, yeah, this was terrible, tragic, but I expected something like this to happen at some point. In my entire life of college, not for one microsecond did I ever worry about somebody shooting somebody on campus while I was walking around Michigan State. So for her to say she expected, now maybe it was just something she was caught, you know, the, the camera's on her, the news is on her, but who the hell expects something like that to happen? Is that really where we are at? I'm going to leave it at that because this isn't one of those shows that we talk about that. But in the same respect, man, that is mind-blowing that a student would say she expected something like this to happen. I mean, that just, really sit back and absorb that. Chris, it's it's crazy. Well, when you think about it, Brian, within the last year, we've had a shooting on the campus of your alma mater, Michigan State, and now we've had a shooting on the campus of my alma mater, UNLV. It's, when you read stories, I, I saw someone tweet that this is the third time that they've gone through this. I saw someone who was in the Michigan State shooting, who was in the student union when it happened, that was in a high school in outside of Detroit a couple years ago. Remember the story? The kid's parents bought him a gun. Yeah. And then he went to school and he decided to kill four of his classmates. Well, this girl was in that high school. And then just six months later, she was on campus at Michigan State in the student union when that kid walked into the student union and opened fire, killing multiple people. It's a sick epidemic in this country, and the, the 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 sad reality. And I don't want to sound like an alarmist, but you're not safe anywhere. No, it's it's really it's it's an unfortunate thing. And uh, you know, like I said, obviously, heartfelt goes out. It was faculty and staff that were shot, and uh, this guy had some type of event. That and again, I'm not going to go into it detailed on the show. Most of us have heard about it, have read about it, have seen the news on it, and it's just it's tragic. And I don't know what's going to make this stop, but it is like I said, it's very alarming when you hear a college student say it's something that was expected because that should never, not only not be expected, it should never even be a 
thought in your head when you're going to college that that's something you have to think or worry about. Just absolutely insane. But, um, Again, UNLV back in action yesterday, and they actually played a good game against Loyola Marymount. Uh, they lost by three in the first half. They tied the second half, but that, they lost by three. We'll talk about that briefly in a little while as well. And uh, that's pretty much What's on Tap. Once again, What's on Tap is brought to you by uh, Robert, RCG Home Loans powered by Luminate Bank. So if you are looking to home, buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, or if you have any mortgage or real estate related questions, again, contact one of the pros at RCG Home Loans powered by Luminate Bank today, and uh, they will help you out and maybe get you on your way to home ownership. And uh, Spence, let's get right to it, man. Go ahead and hit nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Yeah, the puck does start here, and uh, it actually uh, yesterday in Dallas. But, Chris, i got to say, before I even get going with uh, all of Nightcap, you know, pretty amazing. They are up against St. Louis. They fall behind in the first period. They score the first goal, and then they give up three consecutive goals. They're behind 3-1, to one, and they make this dramatic comeback. You know, the whole time, uh, everyone's talking about, you continuously hear everybody talking about the dad's trips and how these dad trips, they, they, were, they had one loss in like three years of dad's trips to this going into this season. And then they're right away down to St. Louis, and they come back. And it's like an inspirational thing. And really, I mean, it was nice to see six goals yesterday against Dallas. Guys like Pavel Dorofievo, hasn't even been in the lineup in a couple weeks, gets a late goal. Great, unbelievable back pass by by William Carlson behind the net. It was just so pretty. It wasn't even funny. And then, you know, other guys like, you know, Zach Whitecloud scoring in consecutive games now. He was one of the few guys without a goal in the team, so he makes up for it by scoring in consecutive games. Nicholas Wah, who hasn't been in the lineup in a while and been hurt, he hasn't scored in a long time. He gets a goal last night. It's just everybody contributes on this team. Paul Cotter had multiple points last Last night's a goal. It could have had two goals, and uh, but but got an assist and a goal last night. His dad going nuts up in the box. So Chris, I ask you, why why not make like three or four dance trips a year? Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> I always wonder like how how these trips are are set up, right? Because look, you've got a a, a trip to New York in January. I'm actually going on that trip, but you 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 play three games in five nights in New York. So why not? Have the dads jump on the plane on Sunday when you leave for New York City. Go to the Devils game on Monday. The Islanders came on Tuesday. Spend a couple days in New York with with the, with the kids, and then uh, play the Islanders on on Friday night, and then head to Detroit for Sunday. I think New York might Saturday. be a little, a little bit more expensive than some of the other yeah, trips. They, they're sharing rooms. That's true. That's true. You know, and I don't think VGK are are paying for the dads to eat. I mean, I'm sure the kids are. I I mean, listen, I I don't know how all that works, but. I think the VGK kick in some good money for this, Chris. I really do. I think they made it a camaraderie thing, and I I think Bill Foley, you know, accentuates that. And you you may be right. Like I don't. I I, I mean, put it this way: all the money he saves on the media meals, he pays for the dance trip meals. You know, that's what. No, no, no comment. But yeah, I mean, look, I mean, listen. They, they, I, I know this one is is one because it's it's there's a couple days in between games, and it's only two games, but. Um, it, it, it's cool. And, and I know every team does it. They do a mom's trip. Um, 
as well. So it, it, it's kind of cool. What happens on the mom's trips? Do they room together too? I, I would imagine so. Like, I, I mean, listen, if my but mom. your mom. I mean, I, yeah. I agree. I'm just, I just wonder. I, I, they... I think so. I mean, I, I can't imagine. Listen, I'd be on good behavior if my but mom. But I mean, looking at the success of this, maybe they ought to think about it, especially if, they, if, if the players are picking up the majority of the tabs for their dads. Man, maybe they should do it a couple times. I'm sure the players wouldn't mind. And, you know, in some cases, like with William Carlson, he brought his father-in-law. I mean, how happy is that guy that his daughter married William Carlson and he gets to go on dad's trips with William Carlson? I mean, that's that's pretty cool. And and I know she's a pretty successful model. Yeah, no, she is. She um, does well for herself. Marchessault brought his brother-in-law. I mean, uh, the in-laws get to come on these. They don't really really stipulate that it has to be your dad. Listen, I mean, if if, if you're—I mean, I don't have a sister— but if my sister married a professional athlete, oh, dude, you I know mean, I'd like, be like, buddying I, up. Yeah, absolutely. There, there listen, is no doubt about listen, it. I'd be buddying I, up. I, I would disown her before I disowned <laughs> him. You know, I think <laughs> probably a lot of people feel this way. I mean, I saw William's father-in-law up in the suite. He was sitting by himself a little bit. I think maybe when you're the in-law, you kind of get maybe a little bit alienated. You know, that is, you know, like in school, you get kind of get an house. I, I don't know for sure. I just saw him. they pointed him out, and he was sitting by himself because I saw the number seventy-one jersey on him. But either way, it was a really cool thing. I think it's so cool for the fathers and just Vegas Golden Knights, just their ingenuity with everything that they do. And I absolutely love this. And, you know, before we get off the subject, you know, it's, it, you got to talk about a guy that is really living up to the expectations when he was drafted number two behind Connor McDavid, you know, five or six years ago. And of course, I'm talking about Jack Eichel. Where's the A when they go on the road? Um, I think the A is going to eventually be cemented on his sweater because he will wear a C at some point in his career. There's almost no doubt about that. This guy is an upper echelon, you know, top five to top seven player in the National Hockey League, leading the Golden Knights right now in points. He's already got 31 points on the season, tied for the goal lead with Jonathan Marchessault William Carlson at 12, and Jack Eichel's now scored has points in six straight games. He had had goals in four straight games going into the Dallas game. He still got an assist in that game. This guy really is becoming the catalyst of the Vegas Golden Knights, which is exactly what they expected of him when they got him from Buffalo, you know, giving away a great prospect like an Alex Tuck and a few other things and some monetary uh, compensations as well. But the bottom line is this kid uh, is as good as it gets, and we ought to be thrilled thrilled that we have Jack Eichel. Uh, there was some rumor in Buffalo about him maybe being a little bit soft, the injury problems, and it was just not a good marriage with the Sabres. But here with the Golden Knights, this is working out to be the perfect marriage. And you just see the team, th- this team camaraderie and chemistry. And Chris, I've been around sports a long time. I mean, not, I don't want to date myself here on the air, but I, I've seen a lot of games. I've been in a lot of locker rooms. I've seen a lot of teams. And I am telling you right now, the camaraderie of this Golden Knights team, even the players leave and then other guys come in, it is amazing how it really is like truly a team atmosphere with this team. I don't see overblown egos with this team. Like the first year, I thought James Neal had an overblown ego and he bothered me. Uh, he, he just he was condescending to a degree and he was a hard guy to interview. Not, although, not to a degree, he was. He was, yeah, he was. And and he was, to me, that, that's a cancer. This team doesn't have a cancer on it, Chris. Now again, we don't get the luxury of all the players after a game and that's bothersome to us all and I think the Vegas Golden Knights media staff understands that, that we're not 
thrilled with the fact that we are limited to a few players that they bring in for us to talk to. And and that's who you got to make do with. And I've never really seen that before with a fractional franchise. I'm going to leave that alone. The reason I bring that up is because you don't get to see all the players at once. So maybe you don't get really a taste. Is there somebody that is more egocentric than somebody else? But the bottom line is... It epitomizes what I always say about hockey players, number one, that they are the nicest and most humble of all the professional, major professional sports athletes. And I say that jokingly somewhat that it's because most of them aren't American. But the truth of the matter is, is that this Golden Knights team, again, is the most combative or, you know, a team that that just really gets along, a team that that is a team. Like I said, they exemplify that word and there is superstars. I mean, Jack Eichel is a superstar and I think he's cementing that. Mark Stone, maybe not a superstar, but without question, an upper echelon player. Alex Petrangelo, borderline superstar. I mean, there are stars in the team, but when you talk to these guys in the locker room, none of them feel more important than the next guy. And that is so vitally important for a team, chemistry, camaraderie, and if you're going to go far. Well, you, you start with the idea that winning cures all, right? Like, if there are problems, it's masked by winning. But I don't think there are. And, you know, the, the, the thing is, it starts with Mark Stone. Like, Mark Stone is, is an excellent hockey player. He, he's, he's, you know, he, he, but he's a humble guy. He comes from humble beginnings. He was a six-round draft pick. He had to cut his teeth in Ottawa. But he's a humble dude. Like, when you talk to Mark Stone, you don't get a sense of arrogance. You don't get an entitlement. Like, he's a guy who's worked for everything he's gotten. But then you look at, at the role players on this team. Ben Hutton. He was on his couch a couple of years ago. Michael Amadio. He was on his way out of the league when, when the Golden Knights picked him up. Uh, Brett Howden on his second stint after being a high draft pick and, and maybe not living up to expectations in New York. William Carlson, he was a fourth-line guy in Columbus on his third team. You look at the road Jonathan Marcheseau took to get to the NHL and winning the Conn Smythe. There's a lot of guys who were close to not being NHL players on this team. Zach Whitecloud had to go to college. Logan Thompson's road to the NHL. Like, I'm sure there are stories like this on a lot of teams around the league, and, you know, I don't know them as well as I know the Golden Knights, obviously. But they're, they're, a lot of these guys come from humble backgrounds. A lot of these guys were, were almost done with playing professional hockey in the NHL. Like, they were, some of them were, were probably on their way down to the AHL, where, where they were probably going to bounce around. Like, once you get into the AHL and you start bouncing around, it's very hard to get back to the National Hockey League. So I think in the case of this franchise, they've just done a really good job of identifying people who fit exactly what they are looking for in players, both on and off the ice. Like, you never hear anything about trouble with these guys off the ice. I mean, I hate to use the Raiders as an example because, quite honestly, they have a bad reputation that's undeserved, right? Like, sure, you've, you've had a couple guys, but we're talking a 53-man roster, like, you, you look at the guy, a couple, uh, Roderick Teamer, right? Like, the day of the Chiefs game, the guy is getting busted for being under the influence. And yeah. God only knows, you know, we just we just had to say goodbye to two troopers here in Las Vegas yeah. the, the last week. So, because the guy was drunk driving. 
Well, you would think with, so, after look, the Henry Ruggs incident, that, alcohol would be the number look, one th- an enemy of the of, of the, the Raiders. Raiders. But you don't have anything like that with the Golden Knights. As far as I know, you don't have any arrests. As far as I know, you don't have any guys getting into altercations away from the rink. No, and, and, and look, Chris, there's, some, there's Chris, some young guys on this team. They go out and they have but fun. But you know but, what? But, like, like I said, it's it's always kind of to me been that way in hockey. Out of the four major sports, you find the least amount of issues, negative issues, from domestic violence uh, to everything. And and again, I you know, like I said, semi joking. You have a lot of international and foreign players more in hockey than in any other major sport. Well, there's a lot uh, of foreign players in the NBA. There is, but not as many as in hockey. Well, it's a much. I I I, I wonder. I, I'd like to do the math actually on this because well, I think well, percentage Chris, wise, you I know, will say more now. You know, in the last twenty years in the NBA, but in history, well, when I was a kid, there were there were none. It was all all Canadians players in hockey. No, I'm you know, talking, well, no I know what you're saying. In, in basketball, NBA, yeah. there was there was like none. No, you're right, but you know, it is uh, it it is. Um, Something that I think you know is going to continue to get stronger and stronger. I mean, you're looking at baseball. All sports have a have a, a major international flair now. Even the NFL, you're seeing more and more of it. But you know, hockey has always been known for having more international players because even the original six in the NHL had two Canadian teams. There were six teams, and two of them were from Canada. So that's part of the reason. But um, again, it, you know, it, it's refreshing to have a, a team like the Golden Knights. And I want to get off subject because we are way running behind. The last thing I'll say, I. I'm a bit surprised, Chris, that Yuri Patera has not seen the pipes yet. I um, think he plays tonight. I, I was go- just going to say that tonight, if there was ever a perfect storm for Yuri Patera to get in net, it would be tonight. Coming off of a game they just played in Dallas, a road trip, give Logan Thompson a rest. I know Aiden Hill's got to be close to coming back, but get Patera at least a couple games under his belt before you send him back to Henderson. He's come up. He's not playing because he's sitting behind Thompson. Get this guy back into playing gear because you just never know what's going to happen down the, down the road, and Yuri Patera is an NHL goaltender, and will be in, in a short period of time, in my opinion, so get this guy some playing time. Again, the Vegas Golden Knights play tonight um, against the San Jose Sharks, and as we said, perfect storm for Yuri Patera. San Jose, the worst team in the National Hockey League based on games and points, and uh, they're just flat out bad this year, and this is a perfect game for Patera to get in, get some confidence, and play against them, and uh, we'll see what happens, man. Vegas Golden Knights once again today, 7 o'clock tonight at uh, back at T-Mobile Arena, and it's crazy. I love how they just get these facilities turned around. You had a basketball game there, professional NBA game last night, and you're going to turn it around today and put the rink back. I just love the way that that that's able to happen. But anyway, real quickly, uh, UNLV football, just want to touch on this briefly. Of course, we all know now that they will play in the guaranteed rate bowl the day after Christmas playing the Kansas Jayhawks. Kansas finished up 8-4, and four, you know, of course of the Big 12. Uh, it's going to be at, as I mentioned earlier in the show, at Chase Field in Arizona, which is the home of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, you know, UNLV, Kansas was pissed, from what I've heard, about the fact that they were playing UNLV. They felt disrespected. Looking at their schedule and their strength of schedule compared to UNLV's it would be a joke looking at the two. I mean, Kansas played some of the better teams in the country. I mean, they played Texas, who was playing in the in the football playoff, and uh, they didn't play well in that game against Texas, but they just played well against Texas. Tech pounded Cincinnati in their final regular season finale, and you know, but 
the, the thing is, is the way they're talking, they're basically slamming UNLV. I really hope, and if there's ever a coach that I feel can use that to motivate at the collegiate level, it's Barry Odom, man. This guy will use everything he can to motivate his players, and I think he's going to be saying this. They don't want to play us. They don't think we belong in this football field. And I, obviously, that's kind of cliche-ish, and we all know, but it's going to work. These kids you're talking about, they're 24 years and younger. A lot of them still teenagers. That kind of motivation does get get to the kids and they will they will I think they will parlay from that motivation and I think it'll be a good game I just don't see UNLV winning this game against Kansas Kansas is a pretty good football team but well, they hey were top, they were top 25 for a little bit no question but I think Chris I think UNLV because of Kansas's mouths UNLV will play with them well I think the Rebels would play with them regardless because they feel like that's just who they are um, Barry Odom's gonna have about a month or what three four weeks to prepare for this game I mean look I I, I read some stuff from the Kansas fans and they felt like they're below or UNLV is below them. Like we don't we don't belong playing this team. I don't know what the coaching staff and the players of, of, of Kansas feel, but the funny thing is they play Kansas in this guaranteed rate bowl on December twenty sixth. And then next year in early September they travel to Lawrence to play Kansas in an an out of conference game. So um should be fun. I think I think for the Rebels it's a really good measuring stick because the only team that you've played, well, you played Michigan, and they're on another level, clearly. But you played Vanderbilt, an SEC team, and those are the only two major conference teams you've played. Well, it's funny because Kansas played Texas, who's playing in the champ. The, yeah. Well, hey, UNLV played the number one team in the country. Yeah, they didn't play well against them, they but they did played play well. Against well, they, them. they they played as good as UNLV could have probably played against yeah. them. You wouldn't call it well, but for UNLV and what we were expecting at that time, yes, they played well against them. And, and uh, uh, you know, I, I I'm curious to see if if I know Jaden Maeva is the guy going forward. But I wonder if we'll get to see some packages with Doug Brumfield in that game. I, I hope I'm so. I'm hoping think, so. I think you need to implement a wildcat type of situation yes. for yeah. Doug Brumfield at times because he has that skill set. He's long, lanky, and the one thing Doug Brumfield can do, he can run the football. I know he's skinny and tall, but he, man, he is agile. He's also very athletic, and I agree with you, Chris. I hope they do an, implement some type of a wildcat package to accommodate him because it'll be fun to watch. It's going to be a tough match matchup. For UNLV to win, it's, it's simple to me. They definitely have the offensive prowess, but there's two two key components and I'm going to tell you right now. Turning the ball over. Jordan Maeva has got to protect the football. When he runs the ball he's got to quit carrying it like a loaf of bread and he's got to hold on to the ball. That's, that's obvious. And number two, defense. Defense has to show up. If defense plays like they did at times against Boise State, against San Jose State, this team could get blown out because defensively Kansas is 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 not stout, but they're good enough. And they're good enough to hold UNLV, and they're going to stop them on many drives. UNLV is going to have to return the favor, or this game could get ugly. I think it's going to be a close game. I think UNLV loses inside of a touchdown, and that's what I'll say on that one. Moving on, talking about college football playoffs. Man, we were dead on. Told you last week Florida State was going to get shut out. I'm sorry. I'm sad that I was right about the prediction, but in the same respect, as a spectator, what do you want to see? Do you really want to see a Florida State team with a third-string quarterback playing 
for a BCS championship. You know, I understand they deserve it, and you shouldn't consider it, but a quarterback is too important. It's like losing an All-American point guard and trying to move, you know, win the NCAA tournament. It probably isn't going to happen no matter how good the rest of your team is, and I think that is the case with Florida State. This is a good team. They, they are sound on both sides of the football. They're good on special teams. The problem is they're without their number one or number two quarterback. Yes, they won their conference. They won the ACC championship, but against a team that a lot of people would have beaten. I mean, Louisville. Louisville would get beat by any one of the other teams in the playoffs. Washington would pound Louisville. So the bottom line is is that you know that, that you can't look at that and gauge that as a measuring stick because they won the ACC. Florida State shouldn't be there based on the fact they're without their quarterback. I'm gonna, I'm, I want to stop you right there. I want you to look up Cardell Jones and tell me where he was at on the depth chart when Ohio State won the championship a couple years ago. But he played prior to that, Chris. So did this and, kid. This yeah, kid, but, 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 but Cardell Jones Cardell, was, was Cardell, number, third Cardell, number three on the depth he chart. He looked good when he played. This well, kid the looked— The Florida State defense stepped up. I agree. Chris, and listen, listen, I'm saying— I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you this. Is Georgia better than Washington? Yes. Is Georgia better than Texas? Yes. Well, then why are they not in? Because Alabama beat him. Doesn't matter. I, I under, if, no, if, you, no you, I, Chris. You, I, and you, it's not you. It's not you. It's these idiots who make these decisions. You can't use the argument that, that well, Florida State doesn't have their quarterback and they're not one of the four best teams you know what when, I, when you're leaving Georgia. Do you know what I would want to see realistically as a spectator? I'd want to see Michigan, Washington, Georgia, and Alabama in this thing because Alabama just beat them. I know Texas, you beat Alabama. I understand that. But you also took a loss you shouldn't have, and that loss should cost you. It's not costing you simply because you did beat Alabama, and they can't justify putting Alabama in without putting Texas in now. That's why Texas got in by default, and Alabama... The only surprise to me, I had the I, I had the matchups wrong. I really yeah. thought they wanted Alabama to match up against Michigan in the national championship game, figuring Alabama would beat Washington. I thought that would be the case, but they did it right because, truthfully, since Texas did beat Alabama, you can't really put Alabama in front of Texas. So they did it right, but to me, and, and, and hate on me all you want, the national championship is going to be at the Rose Bowl. The winner of that game will win the national championship. That's what I feel. I don't think Texas is going to beat Alabama twice in the same season. As as good as Texas can play, and I love Washington. I love the story of Penix. Sorry he didn't win the Heisman Trophy, but I love his story. I mean, the guy's had season-ending injury after season-ending injury, and he almost got himself a Heisman Trophy, and he's going to be a top 10 draft pick in the National Football League, at least a top 15 in my opinion. The kid will play on Sundays, and I think he will be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Great story, but I don't think Washington is as good as any of the other three teams in there, even though they well, are 13-0, and 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 shame on me for not giving the Pac-12 in their final season the way the Pac-12 looks now, the credit maybe they deserve, Chris. Well, well here's the problem, right? We, 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 we think that Georgia and Alabama are better than Washington, but Washington went through the toughest conference in the country. Yeah, we're giving the SEC a lot of credit, aren't we? Just like the, the because, voters always because do. Because here's the problem. Outside of Alabama and Georgia... SEC doesn't really have—Alabama struggled to beat Auburn. They struggled to beat—and I understand it's a rivalry game and this and that. Auburn got body-bagged by New Mexico State. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, they're like—Chris, really good points, and 
It, th- what this screams to me, and I've been saying this for a while, you need an 18 playoff. I understand that's a lot of games to ask these kids to play when they're getting ready, to, some of them, to sign monstrous NFL contracts. The problem, again, with me is the fact that, you know, you just four teams isn't enough. you got to give a lesser like a shot. If somebody goes undefeated through the entire thing, you got to give them a shot at the playoffs. And I think eight teams would make sense. And this year, eight teams would definitely have covered up all the problems and you would have been able to fit him in. And again, as I mentioned, uh, Heisman Trophy was presented yesterday. It was Jaden Daniels, the quarterback of LSU, who formerly played at ASU. And Chris, I don't know if you heard this or not, and we got to make this quick and move on, but during his speech, the Heisman Trophy speech, Jaden um, Daniels said one of the people he thanked was Antonio Pierce of the Raiders, which I'm like, whoa. Now, I knew Antonio Pierce was a coach at Arizona State when Jaden Daniels was playing there. I think he was a defensive assistant at that time. But how are you saying and crediting a defensive assistant on a team that you played for before, not the team you won just won the Heisman Trophy with, a, a team you played for before, and you're thanking a defensive assistant. Now, maybe they really hit it off and became friends, or is maybe he lobbying for a Raiders job? And I just thought when I heard that, I'm like, is he lobbying for the Raiders to draft him? We'll see. Uh, hey, I have no problem if they do. This kid is really, really, really good, and he really came into his own this year at LSU. Check out his stats. They're staggering. He is really good. But I just thought that was really – all the rest of the names he thanked made sense, but it's Antonio Pierce, a defensive assistant when he played at Arizona State. Where the hell did that come from? But it's a fact. He did thank him during the speech. If you didn't hear it, they're replaying it on ESPN. You can watch it. It's, it's crazy. But who knows? Maybe Jaden Daniels will be a Las Vegas Raider next season. We'll see. All right, let's move on, man. I talked about the in-season tournament. And, Spencer, you can play it right away. After the in-season tournament, uh, these guys took it seriously. And this is Anthony Davis and uh, LeBron James after the game. We've been doing it together for a long time. Uh, Five years now. uh, And we just figure it out. We know each other. Tennessee is what we like to do. And now it's the crunch time, you know, you get to our infamous pick and roll where it's tough to stop. We feed off one another. Thursday, Grind had it going. Tonight, you know, it was me. He still did his things to be able to get, you know, uh, a young, hungry, you know, you know, alpha male to go out there and just do the things that he do. It's definitely given me an opportunity to be able to not only watch as he's continued to grow, but also be able to try to inspire him as well as he continued to grow in his career and, and vice versa. So, you know, when we're on the floor together, we're healthy. We know what we're capable of doing. We just played too many games together. We've shared too many moments together, um, played in too many big moments together to fail each other. Yeah, I mean, you can't argue with him. You know, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, I mean, the two of them, especially, you know, if LeBron was in his prime, they'd almost be unbeatable. Anthony Davis in his prime when he's not hurt. Uh, But when they are healthy, like LeBron said, the sky really is the limit for this team. They've got some great role players now, and the Lakers are going to be a very tough out this year. You know, it's crazy, though. They went undefeated in the season tournament. They were a perfect 7-0 in the the in-season tournament in route to winning, you know, obviously the first ever NBA Cup, as we mentioned. But... On the flip side, what's crazy is they have gone 8-9 and nine in every other game that wasn't counting towards the in-season tournament. They're barely, you know, they're, they're, they're barely under 500, which is crazy when you think about it. But um, 
The bottom line is they won, they won last night. If you didn't see the game, it was pretty impressive. Anthony Davis, LeBron James did get MVP of the in-season tournament, but Anthony Davis, huge double-double last night. 41 points, 20 boards, and 5 assists. This guy, when he is healthy, Anthony Davis is almost a freak of nature to be that tall and be able to play the game the way he does. And uh, the cool thing was, I mean, for the, the cool thing for the NBA players, 500K per player there is the, uh, two guys on the on the Lakers that literally make that is 45 percent of their annual salary 500k so how happy were they I understand why they played like a playoff game even LeBron James says there's a lot I'll do for 500,000 he even understands still the value of 500k it's a half a million dollars the second place Indiana players all got 200 grand and it went down to like the final four all made money for it but uh pretty cool thing uh very popular I would say Success, absolutely. Uh, the 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 T-Mobile Arena, huge crowd for that. You can see what the NBA is going to do when it comes to Las Vegas. And like I said, star-studded event. Tons of people out there from celebrities to tons of basketball players. Anybody who's anybody in Las Vegas was at this thing. I wasn't, though, because I forgot to apply for credentials till it was too late. I'll definitely go to them from now on because it looked like I missed a really good time. But uh, uh, big time, congratulations to the LA Lakers. Will they... Uh, We'll see how they do the rest of the season going forward. And uh, go ahead, Spencer. Let's let's get right into fact this. Fact this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Fact. Yesterday, Shohei Otani signed a ten-year, seven hundred million dollar contract to play for the Los Angeles Dodgers. This was the largest deal in North American professional sports history. And putting it into perspective, guys, which is just crazy, okay? It is, again, the largest deal. It is He's a two-time unanimous league MVP. We know that. He's coming off his second elbow surgery in the last five years. His surgeon said he'd be ready to hit opening day in 2024 and be ready to pitch in 2025. Otani's deal, again, is the largest in Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, and NHL history. Listen to this, which is a crazy, staggering. You want to hear a couple statistics? Um, The previous two largest free agent contracts totaled $690 million. Remember, his is $700 million. Aaron Judge, $360 million. And Bryce Harper, $330 million. Combined, those two do not make as much as right now as Shohei Otani is going to be making. Let's put it in perspective again. Um, here's what's crazy about it when you average it out. This guy makes $48,011 per inning. $48,011 per inning in a 162-game season. That is like I said, staggering might be the understatement of the century, but his $70 million average annual value is more, listen to this, guys, is more than the Baltimore Orioles at $60.9 million and the A's at $56.9 million opening day payrolls. He makes more than the entire franchise's opening day payrolls. That, I mean, Chris, where does this come to an end? Well... Television revenue and the fact that Todd Bowley and and whoever else is involved with the Dodgers are billionaires, like, it's not going to come to an end. 
You know, it's it's a situation where baseball has basically become a mockery of itself. Look, I have no problem with the guy getting paid. You go get your money. But it's pretty clear that you have a, a situation where you have clubs. Look, what you left out is the fact that this contract will pay him more than what the owner of the Florida Marlins is worth. <laughs> when you have a player it's making crazy. more money than what owners are worth in the same it's league. Insanity. And how unfair is it? Like the Dodgers and the Yankees can pull this well, I mean, this this crap it's, off. It's it's not about fairness, right? Like like look, the the the, the reality is LA and New York are massive television markets and that's all Major League Baseball cares about. They, I understand they, that, but Chris, it's the same. In, it's the same in hockey. You know the the bigger markets, yeah, but, but, but yet you, you have salary cap. You do. I don't understand why there isn't something implemented at because, some point. You know why there's no salary cap in Major League Baseball because yeah. the players' union is way too strong. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I understand the, the, the players' union in the NHL. But at some is weak. point, at some point, it's going to change. There's only at some point there's going to be a drop off. Well, and, when and you look at the here, here's when you've got a player making more than two opening day rosters entirely. That's ridiculous, here, man. Here's where here's where it'll end. The, the, the ratings for Major League Baseball go down every year. The television revenue isn't going to be there. Like it is in, in the NBA, in the NFL. So at some point, the bubble's going to burst. That's what I'm saying. It's just a matter of time. I, I, I don't know if it's in my lifetime. But, I mean, the, the, the reality is... It, it's you Chris. Have at this rate, it's going to be in your lifetime. At this well, rate, it can't, it can't, and, it can't and, not and, be. And I root for a team who, who whose owner is worth over a billion dollars. Yeah. So, and you root for a team whose owner is worth over a billion dollars. Yep. He just doesn't spend. Yep. That's the other problem. All he used these, to. He used to. Yeah. Well, his dad. Well, he's dead. I mean, Mike Illich is dead. But isn't his son Chris? Yeah, it, it, it's his daughter Denise who really runs the show for the most part. Okay. And uh, and and the truth of the matter is, yeah, it, it's not that they're not spending. They're just the mindset. Illich, you know, he loved his little Caesars. Obviously, it's what made him. But he was so in tuned with you know with the the Red Wings and the Tigers. He wanted them to win so badly. It doesn't seem like the Illich family is that as concerned as they used to be. No, with because uh, because when you own a major league franchise, you you make a ton of money as an owner. And you're you're not forced to to spend money, right? The NHL, for all the all the all the jokes about you know how how underpaid all these players are compared to the rest of professional sports, at least they have a, a, a ceiling. Yep. You have to spend a certain amount of money. Yeah, it or, just or, it, like I said when I say I know it's not about fairness, Chris, and it's about money and television revenue. And I get it. I get how much money that brings in. But when I say fair, I mean for God's sakes, you know, as an audience, you want to see other teams have a chance. And we did. We saw the Texas Rangers win the World Series this year. You know, we've seen Houston win it. You know, a couple of years. But you know, but L.A. and the Yankees are always favored and picked, and and it's because of the their their rosters well, the and the amount. Yeah, got Juan Soto. Yeah, I know it's. It's unbelievable, and you got that other Japanese prospect coming up, and the, the pitcher, Dodgers. Yeah. The Dodgers are talking about getting him too. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus Christ, where does this end? But enough of that. 
Shohei Otani, congratulations to you, man. You cashed in like no tomorrow. The best two-way player since Babe Ruth. Uh, unbelievable. And, um, you know, and they definitely need pitching help in Los Angeles. He won't be able to help them out this year, but if everything goes as planned in 2025, he'll be back on the bump again and helping them out. Moving over, guys, quickly to the Bones segment. Uh, Raiders 5-7 and seven after a 31-17 to 17 loss, as we know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, Antonio Pierce, uh, you know, started off 2-0. and It's kind of gone in the other direction since them. They play the Vikings today. The Raiders are in a position right now. And Spencer, I'll bring you in on this. I know you're sick, so cough it out before you open the microphone. But, you know, the thing is, is the Raiders really need to win the five remaining games to make the playoff. I think this year in the AFC, probably NFC too, unless you win your division in a lousy division like the NFC South, um, you are going to be required to win 10 games to make the postseason. That means the Raiders would have to win out. And it starts today against Minnesota, who, by the way, Minnesota gets back... um, they get back uh, the best wide receiver in Justin Jefferson in the NFL. He comes back today after missing seven games. And it is going to be interesting to see what happens going forward with uh, with the Raiders, with everything that's going on. But, Spencer, what do you think? I mean, do you think the Raiders – Now, you know, I don't think this game is unwinnable by any means, although the Vikings' defense has been extremely proficient, especially recently, and getting back Justin Jefferson. The coach has given plenty of – says Josh Dobbs is the guy – this is the guy that's going to lead us forward the rest of this year. Do the Raiders have what it takes, Spencer, to win this game? And then you look forward. They still got to go to Kansas City. They've got some. T- they got a really tough road to haul. Yeah, they do. And the unfortunate part is they just seem to be flaming out in the second half, and that seems to be their biggest problem in the last like three weeks. And I think it's because you have a new offensive coordinator. I mean, it's easy to forget how makeshift this team is. I mean, you got a rookie quarterback. They fired half the staff. You know, there's a lot of excitement, but I think this guy's able to game plan a really good first half, and you've seen it. I mean, they they have had some really good creative play calling, but I think his playbook just runs dry during the second half, and that's probably because he's a new offensive coordinator. And I expect going into the next season, I do think they're going to end up keeping the staff that's on the field right now, but they will replace the offensive coordinator. I don't know if they'll keep the guy on board. I, you know, I actually kind of like him, but yeah, this game, uh, I think it's really winnable for the Raiders. I don't think the Vikings are a particularly good team. I think the Raiders are kind of in the same boat of just middle of the road. And, you know, my closing thoughts is uh, on the Raiders in general. Like, I've just seen this my entire life. There's not, there hasn't been too many seasons like growing up where the Raiders were like bottom of the barrel. You know, they've always just kind of been an 800 ball club. And, you know, I feel like we're right back where we started. I mean, the Carson Palmer days, the Jason Campbell, the Bruce Gadkowski. It's just been a myriad of guys who are just, you know, they win every other game. And it just feels like the Raiders are going to win seven or eight games this year. They're going to be, you know, in the middle of the draft order, probably miss on the traffic. You know, it just feels like it's an endless an endless cycle. New coaching names, new players, but same results. Yeah, you know, Spencer, I, I don't disagree with you on Bo, uh, Bo Hardegree, their current offensive coordinator. He was tasked with the dubious task of fixing the silver and black offense, which is loaded with talent, just to get them to mesh. When I say loaded with talent, you know, the quarterback position is suspect. Aiden O'Connell looks like he could be an NFL quarterback. He has moments where you can see it. But when you talk about the skill positions of this team. Jacoby Myers coming into his own this year. You know, obviously Devontae Adams, one of the top three wide receivers in the National Football League, in my opinion, and in most people's opinions. You got, you know, you got a guy like Hunter Renfro all of a sudden, it seems like they're remembering he plays for this football team. A guy like Michael Mayer, who they expect to be eventually one of the upper echelon tight ends in the game. And then, of course, obviously Josh Jacobs, the last year's best running back in the game. And this year, maybe not doing as well as last year, but we still see that this guy's got 
everything in the tank, Spencer. He just runs the ball an awful lot. He's a guy that doesn't get hurt very often. That body takes a beating, but he is still one of the best at his position in the National Football League. This Raiders team, you know, they need that fixed. Obviously, they need help on defense. I don't know that Bo Hardegree is the guy, just like you said. My question to you on top of Bo Hardegree, forget about him. Going forward, Spencer, is Antonio Pierce the guy that is going to be the head man down the road? I've got my opinion on that. And in your opinion, is Aiden O'Connell a guy they should really look to to lead this team? Because as I mentioned a little bit earlier, Heisman Trophy winner uh, Jaden Daniels definitely thanked Antonio Pierce and credited him for helping him get to where he is, which made no sense to me considering that, yes, Antonio Pierce was a defensive assistant in Arizona State when Jaden Daniels was playing there, but what the hell did he do for Jaden Daniels to be credited at a Heisman Trophy? And he's 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 a quarterback. He's nothing to do with defense. So I thought, is that a little lobbying saying, hey, Raiders, think about me as your future quarterback? I just didn't know it was kind of funny. And who even knows if Antonio Pierce will be in place at that time. But what do you think going forward, Spencer, in about a minute, your opinion on the quarterback situation in Las Vegas for the future? And, of course, Antonio Pierce, who's done a decent job, definitely has captured the locker room. But that really doesn't matter. It's about wins and losses and what Mark Davis thinks at the end of the day. Yeah, I feel like I hear Antonio Pierce's name in the news like every other day. Like some player from some part of the country like thanks him. This guy has a lasting impact. And I think that's the most undeniable part about Antonio Pierce is that when he meets somebody, he really touches them. And I think that's a really good thing. I'm about 80% sure that GM uh, and, you know, and the coach here, Antonio Pierce, will be here next year because they're making a lot of free moves. It's almost like it is like taking over the team. Normally we have interim stuff like, you know, these GMs are not allowed to touch anything or do anything, but you know, they release Marcus Peters and they're making all these moves on the practice squad. They're very involved and they're very active. And I think that's a good thing. So yeah, the more good things I hear about Antonio Pierce and I'm hearing news reports that, you know, it's pretty much a done deal. Aiden O'Connell on the other hand, I'm not so sure. It's going to be a really interesting last few weeks of the season because the kids had some really good flashes like NFL throws, but it's just unfortunate that this is one of the most QB packed heavy years like ever. I mean, there's going to be five, in my opinion, like five quarterbacks taken in the first round and the Raiders will be in position whether they trade up or they fall to them to get somebody where they draft. And yeah, we're going to have to see. I'm not, I'm like on the fence on Aiden O'Connell. I've loved some of the throws he's made, but yeah, I just hate seeing him flame out in the second half. It's just, it kind of sucks. So that answer, that question hasn't been answered yet. And for me, Antonio Pierce, the question has been answered. This guy should be the head coach next year for the Raiders. Well, you know, I, I, I think the one thing is, is Mark Davis, like his dad, likes the big name, high profile guys. That's why he went back to Josh McDaniel, because, you know, he's an OC for, for Belichick. He had coached the Broncos before, and he didn't believe in Rich Passaccia, a special team guy taking over, even though the players loved him. He didn't care. He went outside the box. Well, I don't know. Antonio Pierce, a big name as far as he's a former Super Bowl champion he's been you know coaching at defenses at the collegiate level at the professional level and I get it he's not he's a guy that is a recognizable name and like you said Spencer he does get a lot of credit from a bunch of different people especially recently however I think if a guy like Jim Harbaugh becomes available from the University of Michigan, which there is a very good chance that can happen because U of M got a black eye this year because of Jim Harbaugh and his version of Spygate, whatever you want to call it, um, I think he'll be available. And I think there's two teams that probably interest him in the NFL. I think it would be the Chicago Bears. He formerly, he recently, you know, he played, he started his NFL career with the Bears. And Chicago's close to Michigan, which, you know, where he played his collegiate football. Um, or the, the Raiders, which I think offer 
tremendous appeal, a great upside, and Harbaugh's a guy that could potentially come in and fix some problems because he has had success at the NFL level. Obviously, he played the San Francisco 49ers to a Super Bowl. He's got Michigan number one in the country right now, getting ready to play for a national championship. And I think of all the years, this is their best year because I think McCarthy is the best quarterback that has ever played at the University of Michigan. How do you like that for a boasting statement? But I, I think McCarthy is unbelievable. I don't know how much success he'll have at the professional level, but all I know at the collegiate level, I've never seen a better signal caller for U of M than him. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I think that, that Michigan is going to, at the end of the year, has sit down with Harbaugh, and I think it's going to make sense for him to exit stage left, and the Raiders could be a perfect fit. I think if he is available, Mark Davis says goodbye to Antonio Pierce and brings in Jim Harbaugh. Just my opinion. Guys, listen, we're really short on time. Let's bring in the scooper, and uh, let's get this thing going as far as our picks go. Let me just tell you about last week real quick. We went 2-2 two and two again, and Scooper and Spencer, you guys ought to kiss your ba- your own backside. You both barely won, but hey, all it takes is winning. It doesn't matter how many you win by. It's winning and losing, and winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. And Scooper won. He's 7-6 and six now. He ties me and Magnum. He took Carolina, giving 3.5 points, uh, or getting 3.5 points, excuse me, from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Bucks won 21 21- to 18. They won by three and he had three and a half. Talk about the skin of teeth, which doesn't exist. Um, I lost. I went to, I'm seven and six now, I took the Pittsburgh Steelers and, um, they, they, I had given up six and a half points to Arizona, who I thought is a horrible team. They beat the Steelers outright in Pittsburgh, which shows you how bad Mitchell Trubisky is, who ended up coming in for, uh, well, he ended up playing for, Mitch, uh, for, um, uh, Kenny Pickett, who's hurt, and uh, they lost 24 to 10. Magnum also lost two weeks in a row for Mags now. He took Philadelphia, who thought disrespected, but no, they were get, getting three points from the San Francisco 49ers at home, and they got blown out 42 19. And the Wiz finally won back on the winning side. He's 5 7 1. He took the Los Angeles Chargers, giving up five to New England. The worst game of the season, six to nothing win for the Chargers. The Wins gets a win by one point. And, uh, and so, guys, congratulations. Scooper, start us off. Yeah, so I'm not 100% sure you guys have the same number here at three and a half, but I'm going to go with the New York Jets. This is a good spot and a good matchup for them today. I expect to see their best effort and uh, pull out the outright upset. And you said three and a half, right? Yeah. Yep, that's exactly the line you've got. So Scooper is going with the Jets. Always scares me. I like that because the Jets are at home, and a lot of people are really liking this Texans team as the biggest surprise team in the National Football League. But um, I just don't know. I have so much trouble betting on bad teams. I'm going to go second again today. The game that makes the least sense to me at all, which tells me I'm probably picking on the wrong side of this, but I just don't understand how the Bills are only getting a point at KC today. That shocks me, but I think the Bills are that cat in the corner rough tiger against the wall and a lot of people are saying they might win this game outright I just can't do it I got to take Kansas City only giving up a point even though this sounds like the biggest trap in the world I'm going to go with the Chiefs and give up the point Spencer what do you got yeah I'm going to take the Las Vegas Raiders I don't do this very often in the season but if I'm getting a field goal out of it I'd be shocked if you know, Minnesota like blew them out of the water. I think the Raiders win this game today. That is crazy, Spence. That was my second choice today. I almost took the Raiders as well. I like it. Mags, go ahead. Close us out. Well, I don't like betting on bad teams or picking bad teams, but there's something about the Saints. They can score points. They're not a very good team. They've got a pretty solid defense. They can score points. Carolina's terrible. I'll take the Saints at home as much as I don't think they're a good team. They're basically playing for their playoff lives right now, so I think they've got to play a good game. 
I'm going to go with New Orleans laying the points. Yeah, they well they play in the worst division in football, so they win this. They're they're up front. They'd be one game under 500 and still close to being up front in their division. Uh, six point six point dogs. Some great games today in the NFL. And again, UNLV uh, lost last night. Loyola Marymount 78-75 in basketball. Their next game is Wednesday against number 10 Creighton. I have a feeling that's going to be an ugly one uh, to say the least. A little bit scary. Uh, Want to thank uh, obviously the scooper as always for coming on board and back in front right now trying to take that lead over of course uh, the whiz at home feel better spence and appreciate all you do and of course mags behind the wheel of steel here at uh, fox i appreciate that i'm brian feldman this has been out of line we're here every sunday at eight on fox sports radio 98.9 fm 1340 am again it's brought to you by rcg home loans powered by luminate bank and we will be back next week bye-bye